distractions Look straight ahead I'm getting pushed sideways Off track instead Look for the moment Nothing is real I look for the magic When touch turns to feel They're right in front of me Seems far away Is there any way Any way I can go Again, laking hennepin, thinking about life the way that things might have been. Anyway, anyway, I can go home. Hi, you guys, welcome back. This is Richard Sachs. I'm your host on Lost Arts Radio. Thanks for spending the time with us. I appreciate it. Got another fun show tonight with a friend of ours from South Carolina named uh, Lieutenant Colonel, to be correct, Lieutenant Colonel retired Ray Moore, who has an incredible background and was, you know, I was fortunate to meet him thanks to Alex Newman. And Alex Newman is involved in lots of projects, and one of those is Public School Exit. And I thought that sounds incredibly valuable, considering the physical and non-physical things that they're subjecting children to now in the public schools and some of the private ones, too. And alternatives are needed, you know, for anybody that wants to save their small kids for from being victimized by things that are getting, at the moment, worse, and, and parents need to be really aware of them. But Ray's been involved in a lot of other things. He's a retired military chaplain and pioneer in homeschooling, which is about the alternative to public schools, and the director and founder of something called Exodus Mandate that we're going to find out about, chairman of public school exit. I'm looking down because I don't want to miss anything on the list that I put together here. Um, In in the words of his bio, the nation's leading advocate of a mass exodus of Christian children from the government schools, and I would add that we don't want to leave the non-Christian kids out either. They deserve to be rescued also. So hopefully it's for everybody. And he's also produced a film, um, Escaping Common Core, which is a really good thing to escape from, and is the executive producer of something called Indoctrination. So we have... If we're quick, you know, we have at least 10 hours of stuff to talk about. We may have to invite him back again. But we'll start on public school exit. And uh, thanks for the privilege of meeting you, Ray. I really appreciate yeah. it very much. Thank you. And uh, I work pretty routinely with Alex Newman. We probably talk once or twice a week. Okay. So, yeah, yeah we're in the same, uh, I guess, in the same category. Yeah, we've had a lot of great discussions on the air with Alex. He's getting overwhelmingly busy now, but we had a show with him recently, and I said, you know, public school exit, that sounds really important. And he says, you should talk to Ray Moore. And I said, I hope I can, and you were nice enough to let us do that. So maybe um, just to introduce you, you know, as a person to the audience, why don't you go back in time a little bit before you got interested in all this stuff and, and give us some background of what led up to all these projects. Okay, well, thank you for the opportunity, Richard and uh, and Doug too, and I'm um, I'm happy to be visiting with your committed audience and congregation. Right. Um, I've been married 51 years, soon to be 52, 
And we have four adult children and eight grandchildren. And we were a pioneer homeschool family in the modern era. Uh, we started in 1977 <clears throat> when I was finishing up my theological seminary training in uh, Indiana at Grace Seminary. And we had moved from the campus to the per- Purdue University near Purdue to start a new campus ministry. And it, that kind of was prompting what we were going to do with our oldest child because he was ready for go, ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. And that was in 1977. And for some of the same reasons that people refuse to public school their kids today, it, those were factors in our thinking. But our theology and philosophy was not really fully formed at that time. But we started homeschooling rather than put him in a public school. And he was around five years old or so? No, six, six years old. Six, okay. And uh, he's 50 now. <laughs> okay, all right. And got, got four children of his own. He got older. Yeah. So anyway, that was our beginning. And there was nothing, there was very little writing. No, there were no books on homeschooling. The, it was really a non-existent entity almost at that time. But when you go back and look at history, it was not a, a non-entity. So we didn't have uh, anything, any book we could read at that time. Um, but there was an important book by Edersheim. He's a was a famous <coughs> Jewish uh, Christian theologian in the 19th century. And he wrote a book called Sketches of Jewish Social Life. And he just looked at the Jewish people and how they behaved and what they did in the New Testament era. Okay. And sure enough, there was a chapter in there about the education system, and apparently Jesus was homeschooled, <laughs> according to Edersheim, up to maybe puberty, and then he went to the synagogue school. Uh-huh. So we said, well, if Jesus could do it, maybe our son could. And that was about the only thing we had. We did feel God was leading us, but it was pretty daunting because uh, people thought we had flipped out. <laughs> and uh, we weren't sure ourselves we hadn't flipped out. <laughs> right. Well, but we proceeded on, and we saw that it worked so well with our son. And um, so we ho- ended up homeschooling all four of the children over the next 15 or 20 years, usually up through the 6th, 7th, or 8th grade. And then we tended to put them in a private or Christian school through mm-hmm. the rest of their careers. Okay. So that went on for a long time. And then in 1997, I captured the moment of the vision of organizing a national crusade for churches and Christian families uh, in particular to do this as a way of life. Now, you mentioned we are concerned about non-Christians as well. But, you know, since I'm a minister, Mm -hmm. you know, I can appeal basically to Christians that you know, I can give them the Bible and tell them, you know, that sort of thing. But, you know, yeah. we hope we hope atheists will do it. And you don't have to be a Christian and, to love your kids. You know, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Every, everybody deserves to be rescued. But I, yeah. I wanted to ask you a couple of quick things without sure. losing your train of thought just as yeah. we go along here. Sure. Um, one of them is, um, well, two questions. One is what state you were in and if that changed during, you know, raising your kids and if you had any resistance from the state like you would 
you know, have yeah, to real good now. Yeah, in fact, yeah, we, we did. We were in Indiana. Oh, okay. Of course, it was such a new thing at that time. There were very, there were no laws on it. And um, it was not unregulated because it was okay. new. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, now, we don't know for sure, but we could have easily been among the first couple of hundred families in the nation in in the modern era. And we, we most people date the birth of the homeschool movement in 1980. And we didn't even know another family until 1981 that was doing what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yes, we started doing it. And um, and I forget what exactly happened, how this happened, but the State Department of Education found out about it. And um, they called me out of the blue. We were, we were sort of underground. We you know, the kids didn't go out in the daytime and we didn't, we didn't, we didn't go ask for permission. We just did it. Yeah. So they called me and want to know what, what I was doing. <laughs> and, uh, they knew we were home. They didn't, we didn't even call it homeschooling in those days. And, and, um, and I guess they were asking me to, you know, get permission or something. I can't remember what exactly. It's been a long time since I had the conversation. Okay. So um, they asked me if I would help them, the State Department of Education, to create a homeschool permission form where they would put it out to families that were homeschooling and, um, you know, to get permission. And I said, well, I might be willing to help you do a homeschool notification form, but I wouldn't be able to help you do a permission form because it's not yours to give. It's my right as a parent. You don't, you can't give me permission because you don't have the authority to do it. And I said, you can't restrict us or limit us or stop us. I may, that may, I may be embellishing a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You can't show that we're doing harm to our children. And you know, they never call back. <laughs> that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah. They were only interested in the permission part. They wanted permission. They wanted me to ask for permission. And I said, I wasn't going to ask for permission. <laughs> that was a great answer. And it, it makes me wonder too, as things have evolved, you said you normally uh, have kids homeschooled up to a certain age and then you put yeah. them in a private or Christian school. That was our school. practice. Well, right. At the time that you were doing your own kids. But as things have evolved now, decades later, would you still put them into a school or would you keep them in homeschooling? I can't really answer because it's, you know, we were so on the front edge. But today we see so many families that homeschool all the way through the 12th grade. Yeah. Do exceptionally well. These children are exceptional. So I, I, you know, what happens when you get to middle school? It becomes more daunting as far as advanced math, calculus, labs, those things yeah. loom large. But homeschool families are doing it. They're they're doing calculus and labs and right. uh, and we had a room in the house, a special room, just the, the school room, and we never had more than two or three students at a time, really actually two, because the kids were spaced so that by the time the third child came along, the oldest had graduated. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, but we had the school room and they went to school about nine in the morning and worked up till two or three and then they were done and they didn't do a lot of homework because they did it during school. You can compact into a day of homeschooling, get more done than a, 
teacher with 20 or 30 kids can do in a school because she has to spend so much time on keeping order and discipline. Yeah. And, and, you know, the homeschool. So homeschooling just, you know, it's incredibly successful as a learning uh, experience for children. I noticed when you meet kids that are homeschooled, they don't seem like the same kind of human being. I mean, that's just been my impression. No, they, they, and now, of course, we do have a, you know, I had an old seminary professor who used to say, where there's light, there's bugs. So yeah. we do have some bugs, but generally speaking, they're just extraordinary children and, and do well. You, you can't create utopia anywhere, even in the church. Right. <laughs> you, know, I, but, you haven't but, been but, in an argument until you get in an argument with your brothers in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I didn't notice that they were perfect or anything, but I did notice that they seemed less oppressed. Yeah. You know, something like that. Yeah, they really, um, in so many cases, they're like little adults. They they look you in the eye and they yeah. shake hands and and they, they enter into adult conversations. And uh, it, it's it's really amazing. And, and, and they're really educated, too. Our son did, our oldest son was exceptional. He, he, uh, he ended up, um, finishing college in 93. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was, uh, one of the early, probably, you know, I can't know there was nobody keeping count, but he finished college in 93. So he had to be one of the early homeschool kids to go through. Now he wasn't homeschooled through the 12th grade, but he was valedictorian of his college class. And was a cadet colonel and regimental commander of the Corps Cadets. He went to the Citadel Military College of South Carolina. Uh-huh. And, um, he had a combination of awards there that's only happened four times in the history of the school. You were at that school too, right? Yeah, I went there earlier. Yeah, I finished much, much earlier. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, I, I, I'm sorry I interrupted. I just wanted to, you know, no. bring out those answers. Yeah, the stories of, of it is, are important. It's not, it's, we're not de- dealing theoretical. These are real people. Yeah. Real families, real students, real children. And so it's, uh, it, there's a, and so people need to know that it does work. So when you finished with your own kids, it, was it before that that you started getting ideas for, more connected projects, or was it after? Well, good, good oh, question. Nice. Actually, we would, I think, from 90, 77 to 97 was 20 years in there. Mm-hmm. And um, we had done it, and it was so successful with our children that I began to think, you know, it would be good if everybody did this. Right. And, um, and so in 1997, I launched uh, officially the Exodus Mandate Project. Prior to that, I had been advocating it strictly in the state of South Carolina. I wrote this little pamphlet. Uh, it's a kind of a sermon, but it's really a, an out, a outline of a strategy. 97, I, you said? 1997 is when I went public with the Exodus Mandate Project. Okay, and what is it? Well, this is a my outline of my strategy. Okay. I'm holding it up, and I, I published this in 95 in a small conservative Christian newspaper in Greenville, South Carolina. And I, I go back today and look at it and reread it. It was originally published in 1995. And I kind of marvel 
and how I felt like I had been inspired with this outline of this strategy or this vision of what to do and how to do it. And when I read it now, 25 years later, I don't feel much of a need to make any adjustments. Everything we've done since 1995 is really a expansion of this idea of this little, little pamphlet. And, um, and so what happened and what really prompted me to go national and public was in 97, 1997, I went to the big briefing in Washington, D.C. with Henry Hyde and uh, Phyllis Schlafly chairing it. And it was complaining about the public education system in America, K-12 public education at that time. And so um, they, uh, the, the speakers all were looking at um, the crisis in public education. And these were well-known people, mostly Republicans and conservatives. Mm-hmm. And I listened. It lasted all day. There were about 800 people in the audience. About half of them were staff people with congressmen and senators and, and Heritage Foundation, Homeschool Legal Defense, Family Research Council, Focus on the Family, all the so-called conservative and Christian right groups were sponsoring it. And I sat there today all day, and I literally had a wow moment. You know what a wow moment is? Yeah, but you can describe it. Well, it's like an epiphany, and I'm going to kind of give you a facial expression. I went like, wow. Yeah, yeah. These people don't have a clue what to do. Um, And I said to myself, the left have been working education since Horace Mann and John Dewey, Mm -hmm. and they've got a plan, and here we are. Nobody here has got a plan for what to do. And I just, I, I was stunned by it. And these were a lot of people that I looked up to. And uh, see, I saw them as my betters or superiors. But yeah. they didn't have a clue about what to do. The, I've been in the conservative movement since high school, and it's really a reactionary movement. Uh, and, I'm, you know, sometimes you've got to react. You know, bad things are happening. You've got to be reactionary. So they did have a clue about the problem, just not. They, the oh, clue. they knew the problem, but they didn't know what to do about it, how to solve it. Right. And, um, and, um, and, and they're not proactive people. They're always just whining and complaining and everything. And I walked into that, out of there that day. And I, I guess I would say God tipped me on, tapped me on the shoulder. <laughs> and I'm, I said, and I had already been thinking it for two years with this. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, you know, God helping me, I'm going to launch a crusade and get millions of children out of these awful, terrible communist schools. Right. And, and that's what I did. And so I launched it in no, uh, see, publicly in November of 1997. And, um, uh, it's been, it was first few years, it was pretty hard. I got nothing but criticism. I couldn't get any support. My wife supported me and two other friends who gave me some funds. They, they supported me financially, but even they weren't sure about it. They said, Ray, I don't know. That seems awful controversial to me. And, uh, but you I, know, you I forged ahead. Since people haven't read that little folder, you should tell us what the elements are in there because okay. that's, All right, that's I what do you're that. building on right yeah. I'll be happy to make it available to you and mail it to you. But see, I think that would be great. Yeah. 
I called it an answer to the crisis in education that faces the Christian church in America today. Now, again, you know, I, I may sound like I'm being too parochial to just talking about Christians because it's a bigger problem than that. But that's that's the world I live in. And so, yeah. I have, yeah. No, All right, so uh, in the title of it is Let My Children Go. And that's so great. we're saying, let my, not my people go. Moses said, let my people go. We're saying, right. let my children go. It's a bit more specific. And so um, we use the term, we, the four main points that kind of introduction talks about the crisis that we have. And it was then, and it really is even worse today. And um, I complained about the lack of the pastors being involved. I'm in a pastor. I've been in the ministry 45 years formerly, and I wrote this to wake up the pastors. Okay. It's terrible to have to tell you that most of them are laggards on this. And um, so anyway, the, the four points are yeah. the one first point is God's prevent, providential timing. The doctrine of providence means that God is working in history and unseen by man, man, can see what's happening, but he can't see the hand of God in the background. And in God's timing, it's time to, to leave. And I use the children of Israel, you know, and, and down in Babylon, down in uh, Egypt as an example. They were sent down there by God after 400 years. He said, okay, it's enough. It's time to go back to your land, land of Canaan. So I make that in comparison. And, and if you remember they didn't want to leave. They they were happy down there, even though they were slaves. <laughs> they were used to it. They were getting a lot. They were eating three three square meals a day. Yeah. And Pharaoh didn't want them to leave. He need, he needed the slaves, and Moses didn't want to lead them. <laughs> yeah. But they left because it was God's time. Right. Right. And so that's the first point. And the second point is warnings from the past. It's shocking to see how many. Famous theologians and leaders were warning the churches in the you know last two centuries not to adopt state-sponsored education. Hmm. We are opposed to the state running the schools. We don't want them running medicine either, right? Yeah, and right. Uh, anything that the government touches, they usually spoil it. I think they have limited responsibilities, law enforcement, military, but pretty much everything else belongs to the people, and we have a constitution that tells us that. And the, and yeah, the well, they're, they're supposed to be protecting your individual rights so yeah. that they don't get lost. Yeah, but anyway, so the warnings from the past tell us not to do this, but we did it anyway. We didn't listen. Right. And I quoted a few famous uh, theologians. I won't read those. but And then the third uh, uh, point was all education is at some level fundamentally religious there's no such thing pure uh, in in the in god's mind of a pure total secular sacred separation yeah that's not biblical so we say that education is religious and the public schools are very religious they're pagan secular and humanistic and anti-Christian in practice and design. And then the fourth one is education belongs to the family supported by the church or private associations and not to the state. We don't think the state has a role in K 
K-12 education, even higher education. Now, they've usurped it and taken it over, and they own it, but it doesn't really belong to them. It belongs to private citizens, churches, and families. So those are the four points, and I have lived by those for 25 years. Yeah, they're good points, and they, they seem to be included in the natural rights that are referred to in the founding documents. Of yeah, the right. We believe in the natural right. law. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. In fact, if you look at the uh, constitutional, the when the first Congress met in 1791, there was no Bill of Rights, and that was the first thing they took up. And let me see. I I wish I had that in front of me. I could. It's a great quote. But they were arguing whether there should be a national education policy or not. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they decided, no, there will not be. And James Madison, who is considered the father of the Constitution, had more to do with it than any other single person. He makes a statement. Um, it was a debate over the general welfare clause. But he said, were the government to take up this responsibility of educating the children, meaning we're not going to, Mm-hmm. It would tr- it would mitigate and transmute or damage or harm. That was a, another interpretation of the word transmute the very form of limited government we're seeking to create here. So he said, if we were to take up an education policy at the national level, we would destroy the very form of government we're creating. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what's happening. That's true, and it, it, education is not in the enumerated powers right. allotted to the federal government. So, because we um, are absolutely opposed to the federal Department of Education, I was just going to say there's no basis for that existing. Really, but we are also opposed to the state Department of Education, and we're opposed to the county Board of Education. Yeah, we don't want point. education being run by the government at any level problem is that the U.S. Constitution doesn't stop the state, county, or anybody else like that from doing things that are not good. Yeah, that, you're right. And, 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 but yeah, we, 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 we believe that. So you, yeah. that's a good point. I, but they, didn't, they left it to the states or to the people. So how are the state constitutions generally about that point? Do you know? Well, I, I should, have, should have a good, ready answer for that. But generally speaking, they didn't. They didn't have state education. Um, for the first 220 years of American history, we had no state-sponsored, tax-subsidized, state-run public schools anywhere in America. And most people do not know that. It's pretty shocking to hear it the first time. Yeah. It was started in 1840s in Boston with Horace Mann. And uh, even he, as bad as he was, he allowed religious sentiment and some religious practices to be expressed in the schools. But Dewey came along in around the 1900, and he was the father of progressive education. So we had no, no state-run public schools. Now, in New England, there was a little different model than in the South. I'm from the South. But in New England, they had community schools, which were run by the churches, but they were joint community church schools. So they... They were more like our private Christian schools today. They had catechism and everything that a Christian school would have. Uh-huh. And there was a joining together of the county and the, uh, the church. And, uh, and we, I do have a Baptist tradition, and I do believe in a separation of church and state. Now, by that, I'm talking about a jurisdictional separation where the church does not 
officially interfere with the government, and the government has nothing to say to the church. Right. And um, I think that's the ideal model. And we came from Europe, you know, and around with the pilgrims and all, and they had state churches there. And the state pays the salaries of the clergy, and, and that's a terrible thing. Um, if you are being paid by the government, <clears throat> then they're going to pull your chain and tell you what to preach and teach. And so we set up a different model in the United States, and that's a distinctive thing that the American model gave. And um, But in the South, there was no community involvement. All the schools were academies and church schools. Now, get this. After the Civil War, when the South had lost, <clears throat> to come back into the Union, they had to put provisions in that they would offer a a tax-subsidized school system in, the, in their states. And that was the beginning of, of that period. It was, you know, in the, about the 1870s. And so this thing has evolved to where it is today. Uh, and I finished high school in 1961. Mm-hmm. And um, we still had chapel once a month in the school. Right. In, home, in home room, we had prayer and Bible reading every day. It wasn't a, it wasn't a truly explicit Christian school, but it was respectful of Christianity. Well, that, that's really changed. Huh? 62 and 63 were the famous prayer and Bible reading decisions, and we were officially expelled in every way in practice and precept. Well, Christians are not allowed to live a double life. We, can't, we don't have a secular life and a sacred life. We're, our lives are to be sacred at all times. So right. we've allowed that model to come into the church and Baptists are the worst of all putting their kids in public school. So I've tried to correct that and I've struggled. I've been doing it uh, nearly well, 25 years mm-hmm. and only, and, and we were making a lot of success, having a lot of success, but in, with COVID, the shutdown, it just opened up doors, opportunities for our movement that are unprecedented. I'm living in what we call a kairos moment. That's a a second Greek word for time. Uh And it means opportune time or divine time. And we're living in a once in a hundred year moment for the growth of private Christian and homeschooling. Is Is that because it's online? So it's less limited. Well, it's because here's what I think has happened. Um, Prior to this, and this is what public school exit does, and I, we want to talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, prior to March of last year, I guess that's when the shutdown took place. Right. There were about 2.5 to 2.7, it's, it's uncertain the exact number, people homeschool, homeschool children. Probably 70 to 80% are evangelical Christians, and then most are Catholics, other, and Jews. And there are secular people that do it. Like what's the, what's the 2.7? Is that a number or percentage? 2.7 million, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. That was what was ha- that was a number before COVID. Well, then suddenly there were 55 million children at home overnight. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and most of them didn't want to be there. But what we found is that a lot of people were thinking about homeschooling, but they were fearful, lazy, um, inertia kept them from doing it, and they didn't like the public schools anyway, but they just wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of joke about it. I, I say it's like God reached up one day and flipped a switch, 
yeah. and sent everybody home. <laughs> it was my it was my greatest dream, but it was a nightmare for most people at the time. Yeah, yeah. and um, so um, now we're discovering, and and there, there's research for this. Uh, I'm not the one that did it, but indicate that 10, 15, or 20 percent are never going to return. Uh, now it's un, it's uncertain. And we really won't know the final count until September when the schools reopen. So that's why I'm willing to go anywhere and talk to anybody <laughs> like you and anybody. Yeah. I mean, I'm on all kinds of shows. Alex is uh, Newman is doing the same thing. He says we just have incredible opportunities to get this message out. Right. And we're hoping that it'll drive up to twenty or twenty five percent. And that and, don't you know, that don't go back. You mean that don't go back? Yeah. That would be great. Yeah, it's extraordinary. So is Exodus mandate, does that just refer to that initial proposal that you wrote, or has that become yeah. a program? It's a, it's a ministry uh, or an organization, and, uh, and, and, and we've created movies, books. Um, people will go there and look at it. Now, it is, it is uh, more Christian-oriented, but uh, like I said, you know, we hope that everybody will do this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've uh, I've produced two movies, uh, written two books. Uh, one's called "Let My Children Go," and then I wrote a book with my wife on parenting small children, raising them in the Christian faith, called "The Promise of Jonadab." And um, that's not on my list, so I need to. Yeah, okay. Uh, it, it's a it's a it's a book for parenting uh, young children. Promise of Jonadab? Jonadab, yeah. He's a very obscure Old Testament character who was an exceptional father. And uh, I started teaching and writing about it 25 years ago, and it had such a profound effect on me as a father that Gail and I kind of joked and said he came to live with us. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but... uh, He's very extraordinary, and uh, if he was here today, uh, Richard, he would uh, and Doug, he would he would not be a famous writer, preacher, or politician. He would be your car mechanic. Uh, he would be the guy that fixes your house. He was an ordinary man, but the most extraordinary dad in the Bible. <laughs> so, where can these two books be acquired? Well, the promise of Jonadab can be acquired from going to exodusmandate.org and ordering okay. it. Now, we do need a donation. We don't charge for it, but we'd like to get 10 or $12. Okay, that's And then that's we'll, uh, we'll send an autographed copy out. Great. And, and uh, you know, it's good for young dads that have children, say, pre-puberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, we kind of target that group. But it was a joint effort of me and my wife. Uh, we did it together. She actually wrote half the chapters, and she's a real writer, a professional wordsmith, and uh, I'm not. I'm a good, decent writer, but I, she corrects my stuff. But she wrote uh-huh. some of the chapters and uh, corrected for grammar, and, and she's a poet. So in the back of the book, we have a – it's a poem, but it's a ballad. It's like four pages about this guy, like Hiawatha almost. Is that, that good? Wow. wow. And um, – so we 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 took this personality, this man in the Bible, and made a, it was a biography of him. But we integrated our own uh, parenting skills and the things that we did 
because we found out and we discovered him that we were actually copying him without knowing knowing about him. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. So, so, and what about the other book, "Let My Children Go"? That, that's that was a manifesto. Let me let me can I step up a minute and pull it off? Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. It's "Let My Children Go." Mm-hmm. Why parents must remove their children from public schools now, and this was published in I think two thousand and one. The problem I have with it is it's good. It's just a bit out of date. Okay. And we're trying to go through a, a, a major revision and, and by the, in the rest of this year. And I, 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 I'm down to 50 copies. So I'm really not, you know, kind of. You're not pushing it until you're finished yeah, until with I get the revision. A revision done. It, but it's, yeah. uh, it, was, it was kind of a manifesto or strategy. In some ways, it was this thing. <laughs> This little yeah. pamphlet expanded yeah. to 250 pages. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 300 yeah, re- pages. Revision is a big job. So you yeah. got to go through yeah. the whole thing. But uh, the other book is available now, and okay. uh, it's been translated into Mandarin, and it's selling in China. The last I heard, you know, the church in China is going through some real persecution. Yeah. We, we got it published in China and with a, chi- um, a Chinese publisher, and they were they were the third largest Christian publisher in China. Believe it or not, there are six or eight of them. Wow. And they had bookstores and everything. So I just haven't been in touch with them in a year because the Chinese church, a lot of them are being arrested now. Yeah, that's amazing that they're allowing them to sell the book over there. Well, I, I'm just, I, I think they are still. Okay. But it was available on Alibaba, which is okay. their version of Amazon. Yeah. And uh, so that that's happening, and it's just recently been translated into Spanish, and I've got a a person that's helping me publish, and it should be out, I think, in the next three, two to three months in Spanish. Okay, great. And, I, and the person is Hispanic, and and you know Christianity is really growing all over Latin America, and um, and she says that they have the Hispanic people really respect the family. And uh, they have real good family life in many in many cases, and yeah, I've seen that too. And um, and more than sometimes Anglo's, mm-hmm. she says there's no book quite like this in Spanish anywhere. And they do have books on parenting, but they're more how to. And but our book is a story about a man, and we inter in, weave within it the practical side of how to okay. do. Okay. Okay. We're yeah. really excited about this book. Uh, we have a, a goal. We have a, po- a prospect of it translating into Korean. Okay. And uh, and we're working on Portuguese. And I'm hoping the next three to five years it'll be in a dozen languages. It's a, a short little book that, that he's only mentioned in two chapters in the Bible. But boy, are they full! And uh, so we we made we made a a story out of it, and people really like it. Yeah, makes me want to read it for sure. It's short. It's short and sweet. I also want to make sure we don't forget the two films that you did. Okay. And what those are about and where people can find those, too. They are available. The first one, or the second one, no, excuse me, the first one is most important, and it's called Indoctrination. And I was the executive producer, but Colin Gunn and Joaquin Fernandez were film producers, and they they produced it and directed it, but it's really my message. And so I put up half the funds for it. 
Okay. That did extremely well. Um, uh, it came out in 2011, and in that year it won the San Antonio Independent Film Festival Award for the best Christian, second best Christian movie of the year and the best documentary. Was it sold in DVD format? Yeah, it's in DVD. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, But if, if your audience wants to order that one, uh, it would be good if they ordered directly from the producer. We have them in the office, um, but the, the best place to get it would be indoctrinationmovie.com. Okay. okay. Indoctrinationmovie.com. Now, as far as I know, they're still you know making them available. It has kind of played out. Uh, I shouldn't put it that way. Played down. Because it is ten years old, yeah, but it's still very up to date. And the, if I had a criticism of it, and it's not a bad one, it tends to focus almost only on homeschooling. And uh, and the two guys that did it were pretty much homeschooling or or, or the or the show you the road. And I was I pushed both private Christian and homeschooling. Oh, I see. Okay, but, they, but it's it it was it was probably viewed by three to five million people and it but it's That's kind of played great. down a little bit but it's still very good and then the one on common core yeah common core was a big hot button issue when we came out with uh, uh that it was basically a, a secularization of all education and um and well so, they did a few other things too yeah, like teaching yeah. that two plus two could equal whatever you want yeah right and and you know so we it really was offensive to families at the time I came out with a movie. So that's why I used a, a negative issue to, to get people to leave. And, uh, didn't and, they start changing history and stuff too? Oh yeah. Yeah. They, Howard Zinn's, uh, people's history of, of the United States is a Marxist interpretation of history. It sold, it has two million of those books were used in public schools. It's just, wow. Wow. Things they're doing to the children in public schools. If they were doing it in the '60s when I came through, we'd put half of them in jail. Yeah, yeah. It's just—it's become a criminal enterprise. Uh, absolutely, part of a big network of criminal yeah. enterprises. And uh, I know you're concerned about health issues, and uh, well, they go together. One of the, thing, one of the things that's causing homeschooling to grow in some places is they're trying to force. You know, vaccinations on children and parents just don't want they, it. They are. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before, but in Canada, they're going to parks where. I mean, not now because they're saying you can't go out of your house. But uh-huh. when you could still go out of your house, they were, which was a few days ago in most places, they were finding kids in parks, and they'd offer them free ice cream if they'd get a vaccine. And mm-hmm. if the parents tr- try to run in and object, the police were blocking the parents. Hard to believe that. I mean, but I'm not surprised. But yeah. so, uh, in a few years ago in California, there was a heavy vaccination program. I think before COVID, and I mean, there are thousands of families pull their kids out in California. Yeah. So that's helping grow my movement, and uh, because people they've got to protect their children. And sometimes uh, it takes an issue like that that's yeah. a threat, you yeah. know, to do something good. But so you know, help. Health or medical freedom is a, a vital part of our heritage, and it's hard to imagine that they can force this on the culture and the public, but they're doing their best, and it's it's incredible to watch it. The founders so of the country causing, talking. Yeah, that's causing uh, some growth just uh, yeah. for us. 
But we do try as Christians to lay down a, a theological case. And we can show pretty clearly that the scriptures teach with no exceptions. They, you know, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, there's dozens of texts in the Bible about parent, parenting and, and, and education and that it should be done by families and churches and private associations. There's no basis for state education if you believe the, if you take the Bible seriously. And, uh, and I do. <laughs> Unless you think that the state owns the children. Right. That's right. And, you know, we're under attack right now because Harvard had a symposium a few weeks ago. And, and some of the scholars are, are really worried about this because um, they know if they have the children in public schools, they can indoctrinate them and brainwash them and make them little slaves. Yeah. And uh, but if they leave and go into homeschooling and Christian schooling, they might learn to think for themselves. And they that would might, be a major threat. Yeah, yeah, and so they act, the left actually sees it as a major threat, and they, they have a symposium, and there's a, a famous Harvard scholar, I think her name is Bartlett, and I, I should have this in front of me, and she says instead of giving people the freedom to homeschool, the, the disposition or the assumption should be that they need to get permission they might be able to do it, but they need to get uh, the assumption is that they should get permission from the government. Well, I don't believe that at all. Right. And, uh, and, and our laws are, have never taken that position. The idea is that you can't, the state can't interfere if they can't show and prove that you're harming your children. I don't think the government asked for permission to start the public schools, did they? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> well, we would like to get rid of that model. Yeah. And it's not impossible if we can grow this movement uh, strong enough over time, it might happen. Uh, there's a, a, a statisticians, I think, and I don't know quite where this research came from, um, that if you get 10% of a, of a group of public hardcore committed to an idea that over time it will prevail in the culture. Mm-hmm. And you've read you probably read Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Tipping Point, and uh, he talks about the tipping point. So we we're we're approaching ten fifteen percent, and so we are we're winning. It's just it's just going to be a protracted uh, struggle. But I could see a day when if we grew up to twenty five or thirty percent, maybe forty, the politics would change. And then you've got 35 to 40 percent, that's a high figure, who are completely out and against state education. And then you, you went over the majority of the rest of the people, or a good percentage, and, they, and, every, and everybody else wants out. So the government just says, look, it's not working. It's wasting money. We're going to hand it back to the churches and hand it back to the people where it was originally. And then, then comes a political, moral, ideological revival. The culture will change then. And we cannot win these uh, battles we're in as long as we fight against the symptoms. So I realized that years ago, and I decided to go for the root cause, to pull up the root, the bad root. And what's that? The public school system. (laughs) Oh, you mean that cause of all this other stuff that comes from that, right? If if the kids, if they can't think. Yeah, yeah. uh, You know? Now, I think that the challenge to getting that done 
is that it's not being done just haphazardly. It's being done to destroy society. Yeah. And if even if they're losing money, so to speak, what they've done to the money system is make it all fake anyway. Yeah. And so they're, they have to be convinced at the top level of control yeah. to give up the program of wanting to destroy things. But we've got to take their customers away, and we can. Yeah, do that. that would help a lot. Exactly. Yeah, we, so I do believe that if the political politicians don't lead, they follow. You know, there's old saying: the people will lead, the leaders will follow. Yeah. So if we can create enough demand for what we're doing and make it a a strong majority, I think some of the politicians say, "Look, I want to get reelected. I'm going to vote for dismantling these this school system." Yeah, that's I how think they that, think. that would be incredible. So, so it's not impossible. I had a friend that used to say impossible things happen every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Showing that we don't know what's impossible. Yeah. In fact, possibly nothing is impossible. Yeah, life. they tell me, I, a Ray, that's, I had a lot of people say, they, they, they call me Don Quixote. You know, he remember yeah. he, he jostled the windmills and thought yeah. he was in combat. And, right. You know, right. I, I mean, I've had people... I had one uh, minister uh, punch me in the chest. He didn't strike me, but he jabbed me and said, what I was doing was wrong and I better stop. Well, I'm an old colonel in the army and you don't, you don't do that to me. So I got back in his face and barked at him <laughs> like he was a private in the army. Uh-huh. We didn't strike any blows, but you know, we, we were, we were like two prize fighters, you know? What, you know why was, that. why was he so upset about it? He he buys into this salt and light idea that Christians are being salt and light in the public schools. That's absurd. It's and that oh, is the big oh, that oh. is the biggest uh, thing that I face. This real shaky, weak, watery, anemic, sissified thinking about the Bible. The Bible doesn't teach you, you should put little children. And in pagan education, so he thought that the the kids who were coming from all these families would somehow improve the public yeah, schools. Yeah, that's what he thought, and and that's been that, and that was believe it or not, uh, Richard, that is was a pretty strong view with a lot of pastors. Wow, we have done everything we can to discredit it. And, and all the verses in the Bible that deal with education would be favoring me, except that one but only because it's misinterpreted and abused. It's the most abused verse in the Bible. Which, which one are you talking that's about? That's Matthew five thirteen and 14. And, that's where, and Jesus said, you should be salt and light, meaning that oh. you should be preserving your culture and you should be light to the people around you. That doesn't mean sacrificing your kids, though, right? No, no, it doesn't. But that's how they, that's how they interpret it. I call it the most abused verse in the Bible. Wow. wow. And, uh, they took his words and twisted them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it does teach, uh, as Christians, we're obligated to be on good behavior because we're supposed to reflect the love of Jesus and, and represent him. So if we're on bad behavior, and we can be, you know, Christians can do bad things too, um, it, it, it hurts him. You know, it, it, it causes, well, I don't want to be like old John Jones because he's such a, bad representative for god yeah, yeah and we've so. seen many of those <laughs> i was going to ask you with all the subjects that are taught in homeschooling yeah do you guys make recommendations about textbooks that you think are good for everybody we recommend curricula and uh, maybe we should roll into that how much time do we have in this part of the show 
Well, we could take like another 15, 20 minutes. If yeah, you let's want. talk about public school exit, because that's going to be the vehicle, the best vehicle that we're promoting. Yeah, help so, so more, de- more detail on that yeah. would be good. It's, um, it's publicschoolexit.com, and I'm the chairman, and Alex is the director, executive director, Alex Newman, and Dran Reese is the CEO, mm-hmm. and it's based in San Diego. And uh, and and I'm the chairman because I kind of helped inspire them to do it, but they wanted to have another separate group on their own, and I was running Exodus Mandate on the East Coast, and they were uh-huh. on the West Coast, so I agreed to come on and be a, a board member, and uh, it's turning out to be maybe the best overall program of of many <clears throat> that's that's causing homeschooling and private and Christian schools to grow right now. Okay. Now, they have a, a, a lot of information about curricula, and, um, and, and frankly, Richard, it's almost too many. Uh, this world has grown so much that there's an abundance of good curricula uh, for conservative people and Christian people. Um, Alex is a teacher with Freedom Project Academy of Freedom Project Education, yeah. and this booming, too. And, uh, and Duke Pesta is on our board, and mm-hmm. he is the president or the chairman of that. Yeah, he's that's great. Just one, yeah. That's just one example. Um, but you've got all kinds of others. Um, we used, uh, in our early days, we used Bob Jones and Abeka, and they've been around a long time. But we were so new that uh, they wouldn't sell to us because they thought it was weird. And we had to go to a local Christian school to buy used textbooks so we could have books for our children. Huh. Uh, but they changed their policies around 1981 and started selling directly to homeschool families. And now it's <laughs> probably it's the biggest part of their uh, curricula is, is homeschool families. They're, like I said, 2.7 million. And, uh, and now it's jumped to five or six million. And it's just, this is exploding. And it's almost, uh, I told my wife the other night, I can't take any more good news. <laughs> With all the bad things that are happening in the world, you know, tragically in our little arena, our little part of the world, it's, 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 we're having good news right now. Good, good. So this so public supply- school exit, it has um, a lot of reasons to do it. It has curricula models that, you know, Everything operates around models, you know, and you've got university model schools. Uh, it's a form of homeschooling and campus Christian school mixed where the kids are home two days a week, three days a week. They go to the church and have school and the parents can never uh, be absent. Uh, in other words, they a lot of people put their kids in a private Christian school. And they just drop them off and. You know, they, it's, it's almost like the public school, even though the program is m- much, much better. But this model, university model schools, and there are dozens of those around the country, they, uh, the parents have to participate. But they, for the older and more advanced courses, they have teachers. That's uh-huh. one. And we have that one on there. And uh, then you've got the one-room schoolhouse model. You might write that one-room schoolhouse model. Yeah, I do like that. And um, 
Let's see. Yeah, I think that's the title. One Room Schoolhouse. And they're based in Idaho, but they're growing around the country. And the rationale behind that was that the early Americans, they had one-room schoolhouses. And by the way, the Little House on the Prairie was not a public school. It was a one-room schoolhouse where the families would hire a teacher to come out from the east. Yeah. It wasn't a public school. It was paid for by the families. And it was a one-room schoolhouse. So that model is, is growing. Um, so we have these different ones on our web page so people can, and, and the problem, the web page is so full that you, if you're a dabbler, you don't want to go to that web page. It, it makes you jump in and spend hours studying and meditating and praying and consulting. What am I going to do? Which one of these am I going to use? Right. And then we have a consulting service with that. So they can call up and somebody says, well, I'm ready to do it, but I'm just afraid. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's and, good. And we can t- talk you through the early steps, and uh, and we've got yeah. consultants. So that's that's publicschoolexit.com, and I urge your audience to look at that one for more of how to, what to do, curricula, okay. uh, models, um, that those kinds of issues. Now, Exodus Mandate is my webpage, and it's mostly about my ministry, the books I've written, the videos. And it's a good web page, but not as full and complete. Dran Reese has a wonderful staff, about four or five employees, and um, and and you know I've only got three on the staff. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm I'm kind of deferring. Uh, I'm pushing both of these because I, I actually need people to come to my web page if they want to help me financially or buy a book or get a movie. Right. But some of the same things would be on public school exit. And uh, the good news, uh, Richard, is that we're reaching into Canada. There's a Canadian group wants to affiliate with us, perhaps. It's still undecided. Wow. We've picked up an affiliate in the state of Illinois, a big group there that's decided to adopt our agenda, and they've got a bigger budget than we do, and make four or five employees. Good. They hired a person recently just to go out and help churches start schools. Um, we're 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 in the process of working in an affiliate in the state of Georgia in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And this is a man who's been in, doing this for 30 years on his own, started a school. He's got a ministry and he saw what we were doing and wants to join us. So we're trying to go through the 50 states and pick up affiliates and not recreate the wheel. Exactly. And so public school exit is, is really got incredible potential. And I and I Exodus mandate. We were kind of the first one out of the block. Uh, I think I was probably among the first in the modern era to call for an Exodus. You know, a lot of people were working in the Christian school, the homeschool world, but they didn't tell everybody else to leave. But we we knocked the doors of the church down and said, "Get out of there! Get out of these schools and come join us on the Exodus." And we so, were kind of unique with doing that. So, if you wanted to clarify the difference in in the focus between the two websites, public school exit and Exodus mandate. How would you explain that to people who are public school exit has got more information about how to get started, what the models are, um, a good list of reasons. Um, There's a consultant service and, and it overlaps with the Exodus mandate. I have some of those things, but you know, if I was getting a dozen calls uh, a day, how to start a school, I, I, I couldn't process them. Right, right. Um, 
So ours is a little, we're trying to look at maybe we might make ours a little bit more like a think tank in the future. I've got sermons and articles and books, and, and mine is more, more informational, I guess you might say. And, uh, but they're, 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 they complement one another. And, yeah. and, uh, and I don't have the budget uh, that public school exit has. And uh, and and Dran and uh, Alex wanted to have, you know, their own separate program, which was like X's mandate. Mm-hmm. And I I saw decades ago when I started this, if I had three hundred million dollars on my own, mm-hmm. I would not have enough money and enough resources to make this happen. So I always felt like I was going to plant seeds, like Johnny Appleseed, you know, uh-huh. and people would pick up the mission and the dream that I had and run with it. And now I'm finding it's all over the country, all over the world. And, and wow. I'm finding that a lot of people have were inspired by something I said 20 years ago. Wow. That's nice. And so I'm, I'm 77. I'm, 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 I'm a happy man. Let me ask you something about the general focus of the curriculum. Uh-huh. Um, kids are learning how things are supposed to be normally and going through a, healthy succession of learning different subjects yeah at at what you know we've got some pretty serious issues going on in the world around us which the kids eventually you know start to understand at what because they're going to be dealing with the things that are happening in the outside world which has a little bit different focus than their people in school and at what age and what point in, in the whole program do they start looking really at, you know, the things in the outside world that need to be fixed? Well, that's a hard question to answer. I think the curricula does prepare them. Okay. Uh, they're not head in the sand, you know, not like an ostrich. We prepare them for life. We don't avoid controversial issues. Uh, obviously, we wouldn't teach transgender. Um, <laughs> They've or, already got that in the public schools. Yeah, anyway. We wouldn't teach that, but we might allude to it and say, "This is what the other, what the others are doing." But of course, God yeah. says that a man is a man and a woman is a woman, and a man is not a woman and a woman is not a man. <laughs> it's got to be the most fundamental, basic thing in the in the universe. That used to be kind of self-evident. Actually. Yeah, I mean, but now people are questioning. It's, it's kind of amazing to see how the, uh, yeah. how, how the left has gone so uh, crazy. We, so we don't, we don't ignore those things, um, you know, and, you know, but I, I will say sometimes homeschoolers are, might be sometimes a little bit naive, but that's not bad to keep them being naive. You know, the scripture says that you should be innocent concerning evil, particularly in a young age. Right. You know, you don't teach them, you don't corrupt their minds, you let their innocence take them a long way. But when they get about yeah. puberty or teenagers, they, they've got to learn the facts of life. Yeah, I was just personally curious at, at what age you guys start dealing with, you know, what's going on in the outside world. Yeah, well, I, you know, there's so many, I can't be too specific, but they, they, they're good programs. We teach History, science, math, mm-hmm. you know, all those things are taught. And, uh, you know, we part of the reason you homeschool is to keep your child, you know, in innocence, you know, until they're, they, 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 
the knowledge of, of things that are happening in the world, they're old enough to, to handle it. And deal You've with got it. a foundation, right? Yeah. And in the, within the U.S., one thing that's been eliminated from the public school curricula for a long time is most of American history and government yeah. and, and how the republic was put together and things like that. Yeah. I would imagine you're teaching some of those things again, right? Yeah, we don't use Howard Zinn's uh, People's History of the United States. It's a Marxist book. Right. And um, no Christian school would use that if they understood. But the curriculum world is extraordinary. And um, there's so many, there's so much competition and it's, it's friendly. You know, the whole idea of a state model for education, one size fits all. Think about mm-hmm. if, if when the automobile was invented, say around 1900, um, and people said, man, this is a wonderful invention. We're going to have to let the government take control of it so we'll have plenty of it. Well, we'd have had one car, one model. Uh, there would have been no competition, and uh, it would have never run well. And, uh, but Henry Ford said, I'm going to use the free market capitalist system and I'm going to give every poor man in America a car to drive. Yeah, that was incredible. And, and so it, it should work like that. Or let's say we lived in, uh, food districts, not school districts. And you lived in one county and you could only eat off the menu in that county and you couldn't cross the county line to eat at another restaurant. And the teachers all had to be food handlers, you know, the, Food handlers all be like the teachers. They had to be certified. Uh-huh, what uh-huh. kind of health would we have? I mean, it was yeah. crazy. Yeah. And that's what they've yeah. done to education. It's the worst. If we had free market education, it would be the best thing. And I think we have a socialistic model of education. That's what public education is. Yeah. Socialism, by definition, is a state ownership of services and means of production. And it's the worst place to have socialism and be, I'd rather have socialism and food than an education because it, it, it permeates all the culture and you'll find conservatives that will fight healthcare, socialism and healthcare and every other thing, but they will defend the public school system, which is contrary to free market ideas. Yeah. I, I, I think most of them haven't really thought it through. Yeah. But the other thing that they deal with, with, which the kids deal with, and really affects the relationship between kids and parents, yeah, is that kids right now are getting most of their education from the television and from video games and things like that. Yeah, right. So you have to kind of insulate the kids and mm-hmm. make them somehow safe from the influence of the TV coming in, right? There's a lot of groups out there, and um, I'd urge your audience to go to publicschoolexit.com to get a full range of what's available, and we're getting okay. thousands of hits on that and visits. But they need to be prepared. They need to be serious people. We we don't no dabblers are wanted or desired. <laughs> you uh-huh. you're gonna have to be serious, and then come to my webpage, Exodus Mandate, for my books and tapes and. Right. Articles. And of course, if they want to make a donation, we'll accept that too. And the movies are there at your and, site. You know, they can order the movies. Now, I gave an alternative site for indoctrination, and that's still a very, very good movie indoctrinationmovie.com. Right. And you'll order it right from the producer. Okay. Because so I, I have to order them from him when I need them. 
I see. Okay, so either way works. Um, it seems like the, the one of the most important things is that in the middle of this otherwise really threatening situation with the you know pe- the lockdowns and people's businesses being destroyed and being locked in their homes and everything yeah th- this is kind of a silver lining that most people haven't thought about right yeah that's what we actually use that term to describe it silver lining in a dark cloud yeah yeah and it might actually let families get to know each other a little bit better yeah with uh, the kids not gone all day yeah i i um i never thought i'd live to see it and uh I just knew that I was putting things in motion. And the other thing is we've got so much talent in the movie, young talent. Alex Newman is extraordinary. He's, he's our star. Yeah. And, uh, brilliant, high IQ, photographic memory, great writer, great speaker. And, uh, and I'm, I'm looking at this next team coming along and he's not the only one. There's a lot, a lot like him, his age or even, a little, a little older. He's kind of young. He's, I think, thirty-five. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, he's got the maturity of a fifty-year-old man or sixty-year-old man. More than most of those, actually. Yeah. So, what do you see the next stages being? Well, where's, we, where's we, it going? Right now, we're pushing hard to get on many programs as we can, like yours. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, that people will make that decision before September to stay home, and we we're giving them. They can get the tools they need by public school exit and secondarily exodusmandate.org. Yeah. And, uh, and start their own school, get their pastor going and starting a school in the church. And if they write me, I'll send this one. Okay. Taking cover. Um, we, we found that about only about 10% of them, like I'm a pastor, but about 10% are very aggressive, aggressive on this. With about twenty to twenty five percent moderately supported. By that they put their kids in a Christian a private school or home school where they are a little reluctant to preach and teach on it. That's the percentage of parents you're talking no, about? Pastors. Oh, okay. okay. I'm embarrassed to have to tell you that number. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's I mean, you know, they're happening. they're the God ordained leaders of the flock, but they're not leading right now. Yeah. But the good news is since COVID, is that there's been an awakening among them, and a lot of them are seizing the moment. You know that uh, Latin phrase, carpe diem, seizing yeah. the moment. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're in a point where uh, even a quote of Bible verse, Jesus made a comment in uh, John 9, 4. He said, um, I must do the works of him, meaning his father who sent me. I must do the works of him who sent me. For the night comes when no man can work, and so there's a timing in the in history and in the, in the affairs of men. You know the quote from Shakespeare: "There's a tide in the affairs of men." Yeah, that taken on the flood leans on to fortune, but omitted, all the life is spent in miseries in the shallows. So we're in one of those moments for people in the church and the culture. Yeah, seize a moment and move forward with this and not hold back. Yeah, I totally agree. And you're mentioning you're mentioning September, but you know, it's very possible that based on what they're trying to do, they may say, "Oh yeah, you can come back in September as long as you have all the vaccines." Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. But that's that's helping. I mean, that's causing a lot of people to to stay home. Right. Um 
why September is important um, in theology and in life. You don't have to be a Christian. If you make a bad decision any, in any area, you, you included, me included, we tend to defend it and justify it, and we harden in a bad decision. And so if people decide, well, I was going to homeschool, but I decide not to, so then they go back to public schools, they have a likelihood to defend it. It's going to be harder to dislodge them. Right. But we'll keep on. But we're hoping, uh, Richard and, and Doug, that we could drive our numbers up to 15 or 20%. If that were to happen before September, that would be enormous. Right. Because then we'd have a large body of people. Because people who stay home and educate their kids, after a few years, they say, man, this is really good. It works. Why aren't you doing it? Yeah. You know, and they, they go after people, you know, for harming their children. So we you should harm, post, you're harming your children if you put them in a public school. We should post your two websites and keep them yeah. up on our on our website. All yeah, I'd time. be honor, honored if you'd do that. Yeah. It's exodusmandate.org. Org, right. Dot org and publicschoolexit.com. Right. And I'm yeah, involved we, with both of them. I would think we can make some kind of a banner and just keep those yeah. up all the time. Yeah, that would be very wonderful. Yeah. Um, out of all this discussion, you know, since we started, which went by pretty fast. Okay. What do you want people to keep in the front of their mind besides the websites to go to? Well, this might be the moment to do it because if you save your children from state education, which is harming them, you may save your family and your marriage. And if you save your family and marriage, you may save your church, and you may save your neighborhood and your country. So it's not just a private decision. It's not just you and your kids. Right. It's about everybody, and it's about the culture. And we've got to win over our neighbors and the best way to do it is to start homeschooling your kids and then reach out. So it's it's a vision for revival and renewal of family, church, and culture, or family, church, and nation. This is a strategy to win. I'll tell you a quick story in wrapping this up. Yeah. We've got a donor out in the West Coast in Seattle area and a homeschool family, and she's home, her grandkids are being homeschooled. They're about my age. Mm-hmm. And I think in their late sixties, early seventies, and they're very faithful, wonderful people. <clears throat> okay. And when the school shut down and everybody was home, uh, her little eleven-year-old granddaughter said, "Grandmommy, grandmommy, is this the revival that we've been praying for?" That's great. And so I, you want you want to be able to answer yes and yeah, make it yeah, make sure I, it's yeah. true. Is this the revival? Because people, we see our country dying. Yeah. And 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 the, this country is done is in such bad shape, but this is the key to winning. Well, the kids become the country, right? Yeah, right. So, yeah. well, I there was one other thing, just really quick. I want that to be the end focus, but the one other thing yeah. that I did want to ask you: um, when the kids that have been going to public school, especially the young ones now, even really young ages, are living in virtual reality. And the schools are helping them get this habit of hardly paying attention to the outside world at all, but Uh living in a screen of a device. 
Is there a general principle of how you can reverse that? Huh. Um, all I can say is that a lot of the homeschool families are not masking. They are carrying on pretty much as they would have before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of social interaction in the homeschool movement. Uh, in, in most places now, they have athletic teams, baseball, football. Um, they, in some cases, they're allowed to participate in private and Christian schools, even though they homeschool. So this is, they don't isolate. Yeah. But they, they, they're very, they're engaged. And, uh, so that's about all I can say there. Yeah. Well, the private sport idea is really great. And I know there was one, uh, famous, uh, coach for a track team of high school and he didn't want to make his kids pass out running track wearing a mask. Yeah. And so they fired him, you know, because of unacceptable point of view. And he has some donors and he's starting a a league of private track meets and things that will all be without masks. It's an example of what you're talking about. So uh, there's a lot of creativity here. Right. And, uh, and, And here in Columbia, where I live, there's a, homeschool baseball league and they're so good they beat a lot of the private schools <laughs> wow wow that's exciting they, made, you know, they, they beat the, some of the bigger private schools in the community well as it moves towards september if you have time maybe you could come back and let us know how it's progressing towards yeah that. i could uh, maybe after september i mean we just don't know but we're hoping it's going to be 15 and 20 percent yeah the only time will tell and it's, it depends on I'm, – I'm doing what I can, but there are probably thousands of people on a small scale like me that are lobbying their neighbors and talking to people and trying to yeah. come and see it. So it's up to the parents. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds great to me. So Thank you for having me. Uh, it's really a privilege. And um, hold on. We'll say goodbye in the break here. All right. There goes retired Lieutenant Colonel Ray Moore, who I thought – Really great to have him agree to be on the show, and he's doing such good work trying to save all the kids from the public schools and needs to be supported. He's saying uh, donations can be made at the Exodus Mandate site, exodusmandate.org, and publicschoolexit.com is full of information for parents that are thinking about homeschooling. And I think one of the most important points that he made out of many is that uh, all those parents, and, and I've talked to many of them that think there's no way they can do it because they don't personally have time. Um, you know, they're working or they have other obligations. He's talking about the same thing actually came up as a problem for the early American settlers when they wanted to educate their kids. And they got together in a group and they hired a teacher that they trusted, and that one teacher often taught all the age groups and all the kids that needed to be taught in a one-room schoolhouse or a room of somebody's house, and that exact thing is working uh, now. So information on that at publicschoolexit.com, and one thing that exodusmandate.org has is consulting for people that are thinking, well, maybe we actually could do it, but we have all these questions and we don't really know how and we have no experience and how can we find other people in our area that are doing the same thing? 
this is getting more and more urgent based on what is happening, you know, in two areas. One is what the kids are being taught in public school is pretty disastrous if you care about the lives of your kids. It's really, you know, it's getting worse and worse. And the other is that physical things are being done to the kids in the name of uh, public health without the parents' permission, and in many cases encouraging the kids to not even tell the parents. And, you know, it's inconvenient to think about changing a routine that you've been doing for a long time, but if you become aware uh, that it may actually endanger the life of your child to be where they could uh, have some medical procedure done to them without the parent's knowledge or permission, it's worth trying to figure out a way that's feasible to get them into homeschooling. And it sounds like, you know, unfortunately, I haven't had time yet to look at all the resources on publicschoolexit.com, but I will do that. And I'm going to be reading uh, Ray's book, and I'll be able to tell you uh, what I got out of that. And then, as we were talking about on the show, we'll have him back, and we'll get into the book in great detail. And, And you heard him say that the objective of his program is to to see if they can get 25% of all the school children K through 12 in America into private school before September comes, which is the beginning of the next public school season. As close as they can get to that or beat it, what he's trying to work toward is a tipping point where there's so many people that are doing homeschool that it actually changes to a more uh, favorable, friendly government uh, policy. I don't know what will happen with that because most of the people working in government have actually good motives, the ones that I know. But their bosses at the top, are their motives aren't so good. So, um, But their strategies do change according to how conscious the public is. So if Ray's objective is met or approximated 25% of all of you guys with kids or friends or relatives that have kids out of public school by September into homeschooling. Uh, That could have a great effect on helping whatever country you live in. And he's talking about America, but part of the reason he is, is is because each country, including America, is supposed to set an example for for the other countries of the world. And the reason that expectation falls on America so much is that even though it's not taught in school anymore, in public school, the founding documents of the federal government of America as a country recognize that all of us have natural rights. Whatever country you live in, it doesn't change that at all. And that no policy or law of the government can take those away. And also no emergency, which is a really relevant issue right now. Because if it could affect your natural rights, then all a, a tyrannical government would have to do is just say, well, we we really appreciate your rights, but we just have to declare an emergency and we'll give your rights back as soon as we can. Don't worry about it. And the founders of America recognize that danger and how the, the people in power would use it. And they didn't put any provision for changing any rights even if an emergency is real. 
and everyone's dying from it, they still can't take your rights away. And that that's true in every country, which is a really important point. It doesn't mean to go out and get yourself killed right away if you're in a government that doesn't exactly agree with that stuff, but to be aware that everybody's got the same rights and they have to be gotten back at some point as soon as possible. So that's what really a lot of this is about. Um, remember to go to the two websites, exodusmandate.org, publicschoolexit.com, and uh, you can get his films, Escaping Common Core and Indoctrination at, well, Indoctrination is at indoctrinationmovie.com, and Escaping Common Core sounds like it would be gotten through exodusmandate.org. And we'll try to get something up on our homepage uh, reminding people about the websites because I think his work is really important. Um, Anyway, share comments if you want to. We've got uh, contact forms on lostartsradio.com. You might want to support us if you can to keep us on the air. And if possible, we'd like to get enough funds in to put our programs into action, starting a school and things like that. It's very expensive. And, you know, we may at some point find a commercial that is not unethical and doesn't feel unethical to run, but for now we're dependent on donations. So if you want us to be able to do those things and start the school sooner and all that, uh, donate buttons are at lostartsradio.com, lostartsresearchinstitute.org, and subscribestar.com slash lostartsradio. So this is our Sunday show. We have a Saturday show in the afternoon, um, afternoon, evening on Saturdays. It's about current events. You might find that really interesting. That's at 4.30 Pacific and 7.30 Eastern U.S. time. Archives of it are available. You can stay in touch with all that at lostartsradio.com. And a half an hour after the Saturday show ends, we have the private meeting that you can be part of if you want. And that's Planetary Healing Club for taking these things to a deeper level. And that's accessed at planetaryhealingclub.com. And it's all based on the idea that you can transform your own experience of life by working on yourself, your physical health and your consciousness and everything in between. And that a few people who actually do that, take it beyond the belief stage and do the work, could have a massive effect on healing the outside world. And that's pretty important right now. So join us if you want to. And uh, bottom line is, as always, take good care of yourself. Uh, become conscious. Become aware of what you're thinking and feeling all the time so that you can make sure that it's not programmed and part of the hypnosis that's gone around the world right now and Keep your independence that way, and you can have a good effect on everybody else, even if you don't say anything. The fact that your thoughts are what you want them to be, you're not a hypnotized zombie. That really um, is very supportive to everybody else. There are strong bonds between all of us that are not visible, but they carry energy instantaneously, and you can do as much as you want with that. It gets to be pretty interesting. So join us sometime at planetaryhealingclub.com. Have a good rest of the weekend, a good week, and um, really appreciate your being with us and look forward to seeing you next time. Talk to you soon. Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program, 
offering 10 different giving levels starting at just five bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level, from extra monthly interview videos not available publicly to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Sunday nights on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on big text platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash lostartsradio, or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows, except the banned ones, are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have editors' picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brideon.com slash channel slash lostartsradio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. 
We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with. Can go. 